And we're back, back, back with more of the Pope on film. Act three, money. Act three. Act three. Yes, Bunny, my friend, it is once again time for all of us here at the Pope on Film Podcast to leisurely saunter our way into the third and final act of our alleged film podcast. And it is said third act wherein we finally and eventually get around to discussing our all-new extra-strength, sugar-free, non-GMO, perfect for those heavy-duty stains, movie of the week! And yeah. this week, we discuss one of the most frustrating films of 2020 with a look at the alleged horror film, The Turning. Yes. Uh, buddy, did you know that the uh, Netflix show The Haunting of Bly Manor was also based on the same story as this week's movie? Uh, makes sense, which is probably why I'm never going to watch that either. It, it, well, apparently The Hunting of Bly Manor is amazing. I remember in 2020, everybody was talking about it, and they were like, oh, have you seen The Hunting of Bly Manor? Oh, I'm going to go back, and, and, and they hid ghosts throughout the movie in the background. Oh, I'm going to go back and watch it again so I can see yeah. all the different ghosts. And it was like a real popular for a while, and it's so impressive. They're like, here are two big things that came out in 2020 based on the same story and one was a huge hit that everyone loved and one was the turning yes fascinating i i have never liked a version of this story whenever i've gotten tricked into watching it you know yeah 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 yeah. that's a good way to say it like i've seen a few versions this is probably like my third version i've seen of it and yeah. like every time I'm like, oh, now I remember why I hate this story. Yeah. Yeah. I saw I saw a YouTube video when I was uh, researching uh, this movie. And I saw a video and it was uh, the ending of the turning explained. And that's when it really hit me that a huge portion of videos on YouTube are Hey guys, how's it going? My name's Zach, and today I will be white mansplaining the Joker. Yeah. Uh So many YouTube videos are just that. Hey, my name is Steve, and this week we're going to be mansplaining episode two of WandaVision. And it's like, okay, uh, you don't need to walk me through this. Yeah. Now, but as it, a complete aside, something I, I kept meaning to bring up for the past couple of weeks, actually. Ooh, okay. Uh, but it was, I found this YouTube video, like a documentary, about an hour and a half, on um, horror comics. Ooh, okay. And I would almost recommend it. I'm a big time EC fan. But there is... And it's really just a guy showing pictures, talking about comic books, you know? Yeah. But I love those comic books, so I was fascinated. When I was but he little... Had this, he had this annoying habit 
I don't know what yeah. you could say about it where he would be like, mm, oh, is a good Some of the artists in the horror comic field are. And he would start listing. Mm. But like he doesn't stop. Yeah. <laughs> he keeps listing people. I I would not be surprised if in one of his lists he listed a hundred people. He will list so many people that you have forgotten why he's listing people. Hmm. And then he would finish with and many more, to which I'm always like, fuck that. Bull fucking shit many more. You have just listed everybody. Everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. So for well, that enraging part, I cannot recommend it. That's funny. When when I was little, my, my mom used to take me to the discount movie theater uh, in Valley West Mall. And it was a really rundown mall in Phoenix, Arizona. And it had they had a, a dollar movie theater, but on Tuesdays it was 50 cent day. And every minority from miles and miles away would pack Valley West Mall to get 50 cent movie tickets on Tuesdays. Okay. We would get there like and we would get there like before the mall even opened, there'd be like a line of people. Yeah. To get fifty cent tickets to the movies because movie showings would sell out like crazy, and so we get there right when it opened, right when the mall opened, and we get our fifty cent tickets. And while we waited for the actual showing, we would just walk the mall, and there was a Walden books there, and my mom would say, "Okay, you can buy one comic book, and that's it." So she would give me money for one comic book a week, and I would always get the newest Spider Man, the newest Avengers. But eventually, they started carrying. Uh, reprints of the old Tales from the Crypt and the Vault of Terror and all of that sort of stuff and then yeah. some crime suspense stories and, and all of those like bloody EC comics and they were reprinting them and and my mom would give me the money and it was basically here's the money you can buy whatever comic book you want I'm not going to check it or give a shit so I'm like six and yeah. I'm buying these like bloody graphic comic books. I was basically doing what all parents were pissed off that their kids were doing when the comic books came out. Yeah. Except I was doing it in the eighties. And so I like, I hated horror movies, but I loved me my horror comic books. Yeah. And I would just love them to death. And, and, and I was just blown away by them. I, I love them. I still got a bunch of them. I, oh, I, 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 I love them too. And and how far they would go. Yeah. 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 In, in the gore in particular. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, so, so like I could just stay here and talk about EC comics for the rest of the podcast because I don't want to talk about the turning because that's how much this movie sucks. Yes. So let me try and focus this. I feel like when when I see the, the trailer that you played in the beginning, 
I feel like the turning is a classic Hollywood bait and switch. Yeah. Kind of like the same feeling I got when I saw previews for Tim Burton, Sweeney Todd. And it's like, I know it's a musical. Yeah. But if I didn't know it was a musical and I saw this preview, I wouldn't know you're making a fucking musical, Tim Burton. And sure enough, people would go and see Johnny Depp's new movie, Sweeney Todd, and get to the theater and be like, is this a fucking musical? (laughs) I didn't know this was a musical. I am freaking shocked over here. And the previews are like, ooh, uh, a gothic horror film set in an old mansion with ghosts and terror and frightening and oh, And then you see the movie and it's like, oh, it's a 90s woman going crazy. Hooray! Yeah. Exactly what I paid to see. Yeah. Fuck you. <laughs> I I said this at the tail end of last week's podcast, but I'll say it again. I've never heard so many people cuss in a movie theater. Yeah, for that ending. I did when I saw this film in theaters on opening weekend and the film credits start start rolling and everyone in the theater is like, fucking, fucking, is that the fucking end? Are you fucking serious? So many fuckings. I might as well have been bowling with the dude in Los Angeles is the <laughs> level of F words that were flying during discussions of the turning in the theater. This is a deeply frustrating film. Yes. And one that has no real answers. Bunny, what are your initial thoughts about this film? They should... <clears throat> They should have set aside some money in the budget for lighting. You know, yeah. I mean, that's that's the first thing that would have helped if we could have seen this fucking movie. Okay. Yeah, this is one of those films where it's like where I would have hated watching this in a drive-in. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But then from there, it's. The turn of the screw, and I, I always hate it, and it's roughly the same, uh, a bit more contemporary. I mean, it's just one of those classic pieces that get reinterpreted yeah. over and over again. Well, I don't know why, because it sucks. Well, I want to um, go back to that. I want to go I back think, to that. But I think this movie... Or the needful kid thing kid fill an important void that has been throughout entertainment for the past couple of decades at least. He fills the Marjo Gortner shaped hole that we've all had in our hearts. Yeah. That okay. is what I'm that is what I'm seeing for him. I personally think the the movie would have been a lot more entertaining if you cast Dustin instead. Yeah. Yeah. I think the kids are the only thing that I like about the movie. I yeah. thought the I thought the mini 
Danny Saxbang from Game Grumps. I think he did great. The little girl does good. I think she's really charming. It's just everything that's not those two kids I don't like about this movie. Yeah. You know? And I wanted to go back to the thing that you said about the about they should have uh, lit the film. They should have put money in the in the should have used the budget on lighting the movie. Um, well, originally, this film was announced as, yes, it, the rumors are true. I, Steven Spielberg, am returning to horror. That's right. I'm doing a modern day retelling of the turn of the screw. Is this going, a Spielberg movie? No, it's not. And oh, okay. that's the point. Steven Spielberg said, I'm doing the turn of the screw, modern day retelling. Maybe get one of the kids from It and Stranger Things. It's all hot right now. It's going to be scary and people are going to love it. It's going to be a ghost story and I'm going to be working on it. And the studio is paying me big bucks and I'm working on it right now when we're in pre-production. We're getting really far and we have locations and we have a cast and it's a big deal and we're really close. We're just finalizing the script and Steven Spielberg got the script and said, okay, this is shit. This is not what I envisioned. I'm out! And so Spielberg left the project, but at that point in time, they had already put $5 million into what Steven Spielberg was doing. And they're like, shit. We have a small amount left that Steven Spielberg didn't walk away with. Now we need to make this film with the small amount of money we have left. (laughs) and that's what this movie is so i think a lot of the problems with this movie would have been fixed if spielberg had not walked away with five million dollars of the 14 million dollar budget yeah so the film was 14 million dollars budgeted spielberg walked away with five of it now they've got to make this movie for under 10 million dollars yeah. And like they could have had more money and made a better movie if Spielberg hadn't have dished. But but what I think that we should get on right now before somebody else realizes it and cast this stranger kids. What's his name? He's Dustin? Got a, what? No, not Dustin? Dustin. The one who was actually in the movie. Oh, I don't remember his name, but um, Finn Wolfhard. Okay, right. I I know his name only because he's been in a couple of episodes of Game Grumps. Yeah, because uh, uh, Danny from Game Grumps he has a band called Ninja Sex Party, and Ninja Sex Party has a song where old modern day Danny is singing a ballad to comfort young kid Danny, and in the video, young kid Danny is played by Finn Wolfhard. Okay. I only know his name because that's how obsessed I am with Game Grumps at the moment. Okay. But yes, Wolfhard is in this. I saw but, this movie because a young Danny Sexbang was in the movie. But we get him and we start working to the remake for Star Crash. Okay, that'll work. That'll work. Yeah. You totally do it. Yeah. Yeah. You I'm all right totally with that. Yeah. How was his singing voice? He'd be Pippin, too. Pippin also had 
that crazy hair. The Greatest American Hero. That was a wonderful show. I was telling Maxwell about it the other day. I was telling Maxwell the ridiculous premise of like aliens come and give you a super suit with all of these powers and here are the instructions and he loses the fucking instructions and that's the plot of this weird ass TV show that I loved as a kid. Yeah, I loved that. They're bringing all this shit back from forever ago. I I still to this day cannot hear the word scenario without giggling. Yeah, shit. You got to bring back greatest American hero. Give it to give it to Kevin Hart. Give it to freaking I don't know. Give it to any comedian. I would pay good money Kevin for Kevin Hart would be interesting. Yeah, I, you can give it to Jim Carrey. You can give it to Jack Black. You can give it to what's-his-name from uh, the Lonely Island uh, pop star. He would be great in that. Just anybody. That's such a good premise. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I've, said, I've said this before on the podcast about... Sure about different movies but the best thing about the turning is that it's an hour and a half yeah i've seen horrible movies that are three hours long yes so at least this one is nice and short and 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 doesn't take up most of your time yet it felt three hours it absolutely did bunny do you want to hit us with a bit i do i i am kind of proud uh, in the performance, Wolfgang von Coulter, whatever, Finn, Mc- Finn Wolfhard, Wolfhard, that he did, because uh, damn, I didn't like him. Oh yeah, you just you know, I fucking- mean, and that's such a big turn from Stranger Things. So props to him as an actor, but fuck you and your character. Yeah, yeah. He he's a good actor. He's a good actor. I do not like the scene where he's killing a koi fish. Yeah. Like good for him. He does good. The the two kids and the only thing I like about this film. Bunny, do you want to hit us with a little bit of the plot as much as it is? A it's a new difficult. nanny is hired to a mansion home to take care of these two kids. Uh, 16 and 9? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, who are privileged little bratty white kids? Yes, very much so. Basically. And she tries to teach them, and the music tells you that it's creepy for a really, really long time before anything even remotely creepy happens. Hey, Kirk Cobain just died. This is set in the 90s. Can you tell it's set in the 90s? Kirk Cobain just died. <laughs> Uh, and and things get mildly weird, but basically everybody just has a shit attitude towards each other. 
day, yeah, this is a PG-13 movie. This was yeah. not an R-rated film at all. So I it's mean, like spooky, but it's not scary. It's not gory. It's not that frightening. It's just spooky. And it's all kind of dismissible. Like, you know, did she see it? Didn't she see it? Who fucking cares, really? Yeah. Because most of the movie is, is about people just being kind of shitty to each other. Yeah. And having attitudes. And there's sort of a twist at the end, I guess. Uh, well, I don't. I don't think we know if it was actually a twist. Um. Okay. Well, let's get let's get to the bottom of that. Let's get to the bottom of that. Okay. So, first off, I I think I've figured out the reason why this film is the way that it is. This film was directed by a former music video director. Okay. Whose name is Floria Sigismondi. And apparently in the 90s and in the zeros, uh, Floria Sigismondi was a huge time music video director. She directed videos for Marilyn Manson, Christina Aguilera, David Bowie, Cheryl Crow, and the White Stripes, but I, not a video I remember. So it wasn't one of the good videos. But she was a, or he, I don't know, Floria Sigismondi's gender. They were a big time director. And then in the late 2000s, Floria Sigismondi started directing TV shows. Uh, Floria directed episodes of Daredevil and American Gods and The Handmaid's Tale before turning to feature films with this movie. And I think that a large portion of this film can be explained in that way because this is a film that is uh, very pretty, but also there's nothing to it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's like cotton candy. It's pretty and it looks really big, but pour water on it and you learn that there's nothing of substance inside. Yeah. Like a music video. This is a music video. It's really pretty and it's really nice, but... It, so I, basically, basically... From from there, nanny taking care of two kids. The only thing that the story itself does not escalate much from there. Only the attitudes escalate. Yeah. Yeah. You know, now he's beating his drums really aggressively. <laughs> oh, the loud drum playing scene. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Destined to live on in, in the history of cinema. Yeah. yeah. One of the drummiest scenes in horror. Yeah. You're the nanny. Straightening them out and making decent people out of them is kind of part of your job. Have you not watched Mary Poppins? Yeah. So there's this ambiguous ending to the film where you you could either think that yeah i guess you could uh, see the ending as being oh there are ghosts and they're tormenting this woman or you could see the ending as yes yeah, she's going crazy like her mom yeah 
because you see this whole ending and uh, ghosts and they're terrorizing her and she escapes with the kids and then suddenly it flashes back to halfway into the film and you yeah. realize that all of that was just inside of a painting and... Hi, 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 hi. The ending is so frustrating. You're, it's like you're watching a movie and then suddenly you hit a brick wall. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Like this end. This movie ends so freaking abruptly. This movie gives you whiplash. <laughs> but yes, and so, I mean, and I was yeah. actually looking quite forward to it ending. So when they drove through the gates, I was done. I was I was ready. And then and then we're looking at the envelope again. And then it pans out so far that it pans out into a painting she was looking at like a half hour ago. Yeah. And I hate movies where it's like, it's like, oh, why is this happening? Why is this happening? Why is this happening? Oh, it was a dream or it, it was in her head. It was an imagination yeah. or it happened or, you know, so many movies have that. I always feel that that's kind of a cop out. Yeah. And that if you just ended with, if you had just ended with them escaping, then I would have said, oh, okay, that movie was all right. But, but the way that you just, like, it, 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 the ending erases, like, the last half hour of the film. Yeah. So, so, so this movie is based on this movie, like a number of other movies and TV shows and yada, 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 is based on a story that author Henry James wrote in 1898 called The Turn of the Screw. And so I researched it. And at first it's like, hi, I'm Henry James. I wrote this novella. It's yeah. called The Turn of the Screw. You should read it. I think you'll like it. And people in 1898 are like, hey, this is a good ghost story. It is a standard ghost story. These yeah. ghosts are hunting a governess. This is a good ghost story, and I like this ghost story. And then in the 1930s, people are like, wait, maybe it's not a ghost story because it could all be in this woman's head. And then apparently in the 70s, finally there was a consensus. Henry James wrote this specifically ambiguously. So this director, Floria Sig Sigismondi, was like, then I'm going to give it an ambiguous ending. Was it ghosts? Was it in your head? You'll never know. But again, it goes back to the whole bait and switch aspect of it because you see this preview, you see the advertising for this, and people go into a theater and pay money expecting to see a horror movie with a goddamn kid from Stranger Things. No one went into the film and said, I sure do hope this is true to the spirit of Henry James' original 1890 yes. novella, and the film script maintains the ambiguous ending of the book in which the film is based. <laughs> like, fucking... You make a horror film except for the last ten minutes in which you go, never mind! Yeah, yeah. Like, so what the fuck was I watching this whole time? Hollywood, at this point, it should be clear exactly how dumbed down 
we have become. So this and Little Women, it's not really going to work for us. Throw some zombies in or maybe some vampires. Juice it up a bit and get back to us. Yeah. Tie it so... into the Marvel Universe somehow. <laughs> I, Which I DC could that. do with Sandman. Well, maybe yeah. not this, but he could. they could tie in a lot of Shakespeare. Yeah. Well, the film costs $14 million to make, and in order for a movie to be successful, it has to at least earn uh, twice its budget back. And the movie only made about 15 or $16 million at the box office, so it was a big bomb. And not only that, but the film has a 3 out of 10 on IMDb and a very depressing 12% on Rotten Tomatoes. So I'm pretty sure Floria Sigismondi isn't the next big thing <laughs> as far as directing goes. But then also, I feel like uh, Spielberg could have turned this shit around. Yeah. Did Spielberg say no because he read the script and said, oh, this ending is shit. I'm not touching this. Yeah. Or, or could Spielberg have said, hey, look at this script. I can work on it. I can turn this into a good film. I feel that if Spielberg had directed this, he could have turned shit around and made this into a good movie. But as yeah. it is, the film is shit. Yeah, this but when, you, when you're Spielberg, you don't have to battle with a weak script anymore. Yeah. Yeah. You could have just, like, you're Spielberg. Just redo the script. You would have been fine. Get some people no, bring you saw the script. script. I'm out. So. Scripts like, are like the fucking. Do you have any idea how little, comparatively, screenwriters make? You know, like your top screenwriter yeah. might make a hundred grand a year. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's good money, but like, it's not the kind of money you would think for a Hollywood fucking screenwriter. You know, yeah. John, John August, who's done a lot of the Tim Burton movies. He, he gets about a hundred thousand dollars a picture. Wow. For a Tim fucking Burton movie. You yeah. Know? I mean, sometimes Jeez. you get a big score. You know, Akiva Goldsmith got a huge score with uh, Tom Hanks, Da Vinci Code. Da Vinci yeah. Code. He got something like six million to write that fucking script for some weird ass reason. Wow. But, but those anyway, are few and far between. This was a major yeah. sidetrack. <laughs> yeah, but that's fine. Uh, this whole movie is a major sidetrack. Yeah. It's boring yeah. shit. Don't watch it. Yeah. It's, just, it's not even a good, bad movie. It, it's a bad, bad movie. Maybe if you have a strange fetish where everybody's pissy to each other all the time, maybe then it's a good movie. I don't know. Yeah. Not, 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 not me. There was a bit of trivia on IMDb where the woman who played Kate, she had three relatives who have also starred in uh, movie versions of The Turn of the Screw. And I was going to talk about that and break those down, but I decided against it at the last second because that would be too much effort to put into a piece of shit film. Yeah, yeah. I'm just going to say don't watch it. 
Just don't watch it. Yeah. You you have a life. You have things to get to. Like yeah. like so. you know, it's like Billy Wilder always said, just don't be boring. And this broke Billy Wilder's rule. It was intensely fucking boring. Yeah. So that's so that's it for this week's film the turning. It's it's pretty shit. Not even shit in a good way. It's just And shit. really I frankly I blame the music mostly. The music that kept telling you something creepy was going on. Yeah. When it wasn't. So like like you're waiting. The music's telling you something really creepy is going on. Yeah. And nothing's happening. I mentioned this earlier in the podcast, but apparently according to the Turnings Wikipedia page, there is a soundtrack to this that is just filled with the 90s music that you hear for a little bit throughout the film. And uh, so music by like Courtney Love and, and like 90s alternative bands. And apparently the soundtrack is a million times better than the shitty movie that we had to see. So... <laughs> Uh, hey, the turning soundtrack is apparently a banger, but not the film. So, Bunny, I have the next four weeks planned. Uh -oh. it's, a, it's a concept, and it's weird, but hey, WandaVision is now out, and people are going nuts on it, so we are spending four weeks watching Marvel movies. Okay. So, next week, we are watching one of the biggest superhero movies of all time, Captain America. Okay. Featuring Ned Beatty himself. Oh, oh, featuring. I thought you said starring for a second. No, featuring. Oh, wait a second. <laughs> featuring. No, we're watching the 90s, Cap, the 1990 Captain America. With Rebel, what's his name? Yes. Oh, and God. then after that, we're watching the Spider-Man trilogy. The Spider-Man trilogy? Yeah, we're watching the Spider-Man trilogy. Okay. Because in the 70s, it was commonplace to do a pilot that was an hour and a half long and you ran it as a TV movie. And if the TV movie was a success, hey, we're making it into a TV show. But if it's not a success, hey, we'll ship it off to Europe and tell them it's a film. So the yeah. pilot for the 1970s TV show Spider-Man aired all over the planet as a film oh my god no and it was such a hit that they got two episodes of the tv show and then made that into a sequel <laughs> across the globe everywhere that was in america they even did that with a third film spider-man the dragon connection two ninja episodes of spider-man and they released that and germany's all like oh i can't believe we get that third spider-man film but in america it was just a tv show no one gave a shit about <laughs> but in like Denmark they're like oh I can't believe we're getting a second Spider-Man movie oh my god it was horrible 
I've yeah, seen I, it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've seen well, it when it came out. Yeah. Well, now we're spending three weeks watching it. Wow. So buckle up, Buttercup. This is going to dig up some trauma. <laughs> it's going to be great. It's going to be great. Hey, here's something to cheer you up. The guy who plays Peter Parker uh, directed an episode of Lancer starring Rick Dalton. Never, a, ever. Great turnaround. Never, ever should the, ha- should the actor that you hire for Peter Parker be the tallest guy in the room. <laughs> The fuck? Hi, I'm Peter Parker. I'm a 42 year old. Yeah, I'm a six foot five, 42 year old man. <laughs> yeah, so this is gonna be fun. We're spending four weeks uh, watching some very forgotten Marvel films, starting next week with the 1990 film Captain America, which, as a child, I remember not being that bad, but also being shit. <laughs> we will we will see. Childhood has tricked me before. Yeah, yeah. I remember 1990 Spider-Man not being that bad. Uh, I had 1990 Captain America not being that bad. I haven't seen the Spider-Man TV show since I would rent episodes on beta. <laughs> and that was a long time ago. Yeah. So... So, yeah, it's been a long time since I've watched those Spider-Mans, but uh, the Captain America movie is already on our shared cough cough and it's waiting there for you. I'm excited. And also, uh, the Shap is very loosely uh, related to the Captain America movie in a very strange way. Okay. So we're going for a theme. Hey, let's celebrate the release of WandaVision with a look at some really shitty Marvel shit. Okay. That's next week. I'm down. We could do that. Yeah, that starts next week, and I'm excited about next week. But now that I look back at this week... I I like the Corman Fantastic Four. I like that one, too. And I remember as a, you know, growing up in, like, seventh or eighth grade, like, liking that shitty 1990 Captain America movie. So, So that would be interesting. But now or if that we I'm, got into some some stupid Lou Ferrigno Hulk crossovers, yeah, yeah. Oh man, like I know we're going to be watching the Spider-Man TV show, and that's going to be painful. But I was going to do some of those shitty Hulk TV movies, and I feel that <laughs> that would be worse. Yeah, I felt that that would be worse. Like when Daredevil is just like a all black ninja suit. Yeah. Uh huh. Like those weird Hulk films. Yeah. But and Thor but, had a lot more feathers. Yeah, he did. <laughs> but now that I'm looking back at this week, uh, Donald Trump leaving, uh, the Lone Rangers, a cannibal, the United States Football League, Floria Sigmondi, Pyrrhic victories. I got to say, I think that this has been a good, a very good episode of the podcast. This has been a damn good episode. Okay, good. I felt the same way, but I didn't want to step on your toes. I feel like you're the one who makes that distinction, not me. And I didn't want to. But yes, I I concur with your assessment. Good, sir. I will go far as far to say is that this is probably the best damn podcast you can find during the, the during the collapse of a democracy. Yeah, I'm, I'm, 
I, 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 I double concur. Yes. A rare double concurrence. <laughs> Whoa. So until next week, I am Bunny Williams. And I am Reverend Stephen on behalf of Natasha and Bella and Maxwell and Eleanor and Jaden and everybody else. I just want to say thanks for listening and we will see you next week, you godless heathens. Hey, you just ruffles and poopy tits. And you ease. And you ease? It's It's a meme. Okay, thank you for explaining memes to your old man. Oh, oh, I'm so old. Oh, get me my walker. Do, 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 do,